Are you thinking about implementing your own smart home? Not sure of what you want to control or how to start? Do you want your smart home to respond to your voice like it does in the movies or television? Well, you found the right podcast, Tech Bytes with Ron Netter. As a best-selling author, speaker, and YouTuber, he will help you explore the different options available. And now, here's your host, Ron. Do you want to take your smart home network to the next level? Are you looking to install PFSense and want to know what to expect? Well, stay tuned, and I'm going to show you how to do a basic install. Welcome to another edition of Tech Bytes with Ron Nutter, your home for all things relating to smart home technology. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to do a basic install of PFSense in your smart home. Hi, I'm Ron Nutter, and we're going to be working on this together. This content is also available as an Amazon flash briefing or podcast. Please go to techbyteswithronnutter.com for more installation. For any items mentioned in this episode, there are affiliate links in the description. If you click on these links, I will get a small commission, but that won't affect the price you pay for the item. If you want to get notified when new content is uploaded, please click on subscribe and enable notifications. Now here's what we're going to be doing in this video, and that's doing a basic install of PFSense in your smart home. First, we'll create the USB drive if you're not used to doing that one. Then we'll actually go through installing PFSense and then do a very base configuration because as you look more and more at PFSense, you're going to see there's quite a bit to it. And I'm just trying to get you up and run to the point where then you can kind of explore around and see what you want to look at next. If you've watched my previous video, which I'll link up here, I kind of go over or over here. I will go over in that video what you need to think about in terms of installing a firewall, the different things to think about, and how we're going to be doing this one. This one's actually going to be an interior firewall, but it could just as well be an exterior because there'll be a lot of the concepts that are going to carry over. Now, to get the playing field started, let's switch over here. That's going to be, I'm sorry, the lighting's not real good on this one, and I didn't see that there was some dust on there because the angle of view I had, well, enough is enough. It happened. This is a miniature PC from a company called AWOW. The big thing here is that it has two Ethernet ports, and that is critical. You've got to have two on here. Otherwise, you can get it to work with one, but that's going to be taking it well out of the realm of somebody who's never done one before and it's just easier to do it this way now can you do a second ethernet port we're using a usb to ethernet adapter um yeah but it might work but you're not going to have the best throughput this is a handy little box it comes set up with I believe it's eight gigs of memory and about a 250 gig ssd this is where it really kind of pans out you're going to have to have direct keyboard control on this one so you're to get it installed and you're also going to have direct video output so you got two hdmi outputs you've got five usb how they came up with the number five don't know and then there's the plug-in on that side for power then we're going to go on to we're going to have to have some sort of usb drive i like these little thumb drives from sandisk and other companies because we don't need something big and ugly hanging out very basic ss i mean very basic usb this is going to be more than enough to get up running and once you get up running you pull this out because the rest of it will do from the actual interface itself the first thing we need to do to get this everything started is to get pfs installer ready to where we can use it so i've already unpacked a little itty bitty nub let me get it <laughs> you can see what it looks like you've been down this road before make sure you're on the latest belena etcher and then you maybe have one copy back probably will never need to have a previous version but in case you have a problem and reinstalling it doesn't fix it having a prior version might just be what the doctor ordered now the nice thing i've i see here is it says 
clone drive. So if you've already got a drive from something else that needs to run off USB and you've got all the configurations that you got everything exactly where you want it, you can clone it to another drive. So not a problem. First one we'll is flash from file. So we'll click on that and then we'll go to downloads. And you see it's got a .img.gz. You will see some instructions if you look on the internet that say, oh, you have to unpack this file and you this. Not with Blaina Etcher. This is going to be easy for you, especially if you've never done it before. So we'll click on that. Okay, there we go. And see, it already has packed, unpacked it out. So it's going to work with that on the fly. Not a problem. But it says select target. Well, if you don't see the drive you've plugged in, don't get too concerned about it right yet because it may be just as simple as unplugging the drive and plugging it in my case hadn't plugged it in yet but i wanted you to see that make sure you if you've got different types of usb ports on the front make sure you plug it into usb 3. so we'll click on target and see now it sees it so we're good there so we'll select that and then we will click on flash drive now this is going to take a little bit of time it's going to unpack it if you're not used to play nature it unpacks it and then it's going to burn it to the USB drive or write it to the USB drive. I'm used to doing CDs and DVDs. And then once it does that, it will verify it and then we'll be ready to go. Now you've seen it go through its whole process and you should have seen a message down here in the lower right hand corner that says it's completed. Yet if you go to, we'll go ahead and close out Blaine Etcher because we don't need more. If you go to this PC, if you're on Windows and if not a Mac, then you'll I'll click on something a little bit different. You notice there's nothing to drive out here. And that's because when Blaine Etcher finishes with it, it automatically dismounts. So we'll unplug the USB, plug it back in. And here in just a few seconds, there we go. Uh, we don't want to format, but if we click on that and EFI boot. Okay, so it's got, I think, just about everything we're going to need. And it's actually got the reason we've got another partition out there that we're not seeing. Well, we see it, but it can't get it. It's doing a format that Windows doesn't understand. Anyway, whole point of this was we want to make sure that we've got good setup out there. So I think we do. And we will click eject. And then we'll set this aside briefly because now what we're going to do is we're going to switch over to our PC that's going to be running PFSense and then we'll go through a few steps in it before we get to actually running the install. Well, now we've got everything plugged into AYB. Have your monitoring keyboard already connected because the AYB seems to want to come up automatically when power is applied. So what we're waiting on now is to be able to get into BIOS setup because there's a couple of things at one at a minimum we want to check to make sure on power that it does go ahead and turn itself back on and it's going into windows so we don't want it to do that so we're going to shut it back down then we'll turn it back on there we go you just got to press delete a whole bunch of times and that gets into it bios is reasonably up to date and i'm not going to be too worried about that and everything looks right okay it's showing well it says six gigs of memory i know i told you eight earlier but i was must have been miss wasn't or wasn't remembering something correctly and we'll go down here okay the dates right security not too concerned about that one okay we're gonna change okay wake on land fast boot nvme support auto power on okay that's what we were wanting to look at so that it will automatically come up when power is restored if you don't want it to then you want to switch over to manual power on that was the main thing I was thinking about. Now, the other thing, and let's go ahead and plug in our boot drive, and we may have to reboot for this to see it. Hopefully not. Boot option. Okay, here we go. This is going to be a little different. I thought we could move it around. We'll just say USB key, and then that should get us to where we need. 
I'm not going to worry about changing any of the other parameters at this point. We'll do F4, save, and then it should come up on its own right off of the installation media. There we go. And then we will, okay, so it automatically went into the install option. Now, I, what I did do on this was I plugged in the WAN interface. LAN interface, I'm not worrying about just yet. But when we get this taken care of, if you see me looking off screen, I've got a larger monitor set up so that I can kind of see more of what's going on. Okay, we'll accept that. We're going to do an install. And, and having a rescue shell or recover your configuration file is handy if you're going to another system and you didn't get it backed up before doing so. So we'll click install. Okay, we're going to do UEFI. Okay, ZFS is going to be a little different option, I think, than, than what we want to deal with. So we'll select UEFI. Yes, we want to use the entire disk. Yes, we will do partition table, review the disk setup. Everything looks fine there. Okay, we will, okay, we'll do finish, or we'll just do auto. And then finish, commit. And the reason I went for plugging just the WAN interface, the, the trick you're going to have with this, and it's nothing that you can't handle, is identifying which one is going to be LAN and which one's going to be WAN. So by only having one interface plugged in, hopefully we should see something here that will let us choose which one's LAN and WAN. If not, we'll just we'll deal with that once we get into the actual running of the system. Okay, so at this point, installation's finished. No, we don't want to make any changes. Now, if you were doing a little more of an advanced installation, then yes, you would. So we'll hit no. Installation's complete. Would you like to reboot into the install system now? Yes, we'll hit reboot. Okay, and then we can go ahead and unplug the USB because we don't want it trying to go back into an installation on us. Okay, now we're going to get this booted with the USB drive in place after we've... Sorry, we'll get this booted after we've done the configuration. So we're booting up now for first time. We're going to go through a whole process here that takes just a few minutes. And this is where you'll set your interfaces to which one's WAN and LAN. Again, not a problem. Uh, from what I've seen, at least on mine, of the two LAN interfaces, the left interface is RE0, what it's showing here. And then the WAN interface is going to be RE0. And you do want to go ahead and label this with the label maker, like I mentioned earlier. WAN interface is RE1. And yes, we're going to proceed. Let's take it just a little bit here to get everything up and running, but not a problem. Okay, so we've got this set ready to go. So now let's switch over to our desktop. When you're setting up that new account for the smart home cloud service or device, please get a copy of my smart home device account checklist you see here on the screen. This will help make sure that everything gets written down that you entered to get that account created. The form will also serve as a backup copy when you get this entered into your password manager app. And if you're not already using a password manager app, please get one now and get started. You will be subscribed to my email list in exchange for the checklist. I won't share, rent, or sell your information to anyone. We're going to have to do a little bit of housekeeping before we can call this a done deal. So we'll go over here to the interface. And I've already got my Intel NUC plugged in to RE1. And if you have uh, this on a Mac and you don't see the precedence to uh, the IP address of your PFSense box, then 
just type this is unsafe on the Mac and it should let you right through. I've seen the Mac do this. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So if it does, that's a nice little hat trick to keep in your back pocket. Okay, there we go. We'll click next. And yes, we know about global support. And we'll leave host name set at pfSense for right now. Internal DNS, we're going to do 10.0.1.8. Because if you've looked at my earlier videos, you'll see where I've got both AdGuard and Pi-hole running. So that's why I'm going to reference those internally. Next. Okay, and we're going to go up here to where it says America. And I'm going to click on Chicago because that's the nearest major city in my time zone that they have in the list. For right now, we'll leave the WAN interface set to DHCP. That is not something you want to do long term, but I'm going to be moving this into another location. So I want to make sure that it does work the way it should before I do anything else. PPOE is something that you will see if you're hooking this into an older style DSL connection, because that was how you had to authenticate into the carrier's network. I don't want anybody who's doing that, at least here in the States anymore. RFC addresses, we're going to, we may have to uncheck this. This is going to be something I'll have to work on once we got this up and running. Right now we're looking at this just purely from an outbound access, but I'm looking at this to probably be also an interior firewall and blocked on routed. Okay, we'll, we can undo those at a later point. And I'm going to change the IP addressing here because I want to use a different scheme because I've got, I'm used to being in the, in the commercial world where we use 10 dots a, it's less typing, and B, it's just a process I'm a little more used to. And even though it's on a natted side of a firewall, I still like to have a unique IP range in each area. So that's not a problem. So we'll click Next, and I'll enter in a new password, and we'll click Reload. And then at some point, Windows is going to tell me that it doesn't see the address anymore. Let's switch over here to, just so that we can kind of watch what's going on here. It hasn't really shown anything yet. Okay, it's a reload now in progress. Okay, that's fine. It's a case of hurry up and wait. Okay, there we go. It's starting to go down because it's lost access. Um, well, I just want to see what goes on from this. I, this is a handy troubleshooting part to have. Now, there is a different version of this one, and I may look at doing an installation of that here at some point. We went with the VGA option, which is video. Now, there is a serial one, which is another way of getting in. And from the business side, I think it may be something you're a little more used to, but... I wanted to go with this one because that's probably going to be the more common way if you're doing this from my video that you're going to be used to seeing it. Okay, it's gone to the little globe icon in the lower right-hand corner. And let me take that off so you can see that. So that's how Windows is realizing that things are not what it thought it was. And let's shift over here. Haven't seen any change here yet. So I guess it's just doing a reload of the parameters. It didn't really do a reboot. And once we see the network change down here once it goes from the little globe icon or world icon into what looks like an outline of a pc then we know that the networks come up at that point let's shift back over here still no changes okay again this is good troubleshooting information to have so we should have things up here in just a moment well apparently windows may have been the culprit because it didn't apparently the firewall's been up for a little while even though if we go over here and look it didn't really tell us anything so i had to go through and open up a well i'll call it dosbox command window and do an ip config space forward slash release and then ip config forward slash renew it would have eventually done it on its own but yeah, it's preferred not to wait half my lifetime 
So we will go through here and we'll log into PFSense now that we're on the new address and we'll click to unsafe. All right, yes, it's giving our copyright and trade notices. Yes, thank you, okay, fine. All right, so now that we've got it configured and let's go ahead and we can go to the outside world after these changes have been made and then we will go to just to make sure we've still got outbound access inbound access is going to be a different situation but you can see there's this the serial number and it's a software assigned serial number because there really is not a key i had to go download and there's the id number that netgate will know it by it gives you your bios information that's the version of the pfsense software and dns servers it's obviously decided to add something on its own so We'll let that be for the time being, because at this point, before you put this into production, we're going to want to make sure that everything is the way we're expected to be. Now, the interfaces, this is a good thing to check. Uh, the LAN interface, okay, that's the IP address we gave. WAN interface is going to be what's coming in, in my case, from my ISP's modem that's sitting here. And if we want to go in and change that, then that's just a matter of... Oh no, that's just showing us what it's going to show. Okay, never mind. We will let that none. Oh, whoops. No, we want to save. Okay, that's how we go around and deal with that. So at this point, this is a basic up and running installation. There are all sorts of diagnostics that you've got, which trust me, your average consumer read firewall is not going to give you much of any of this. If we go to status, there, again, are all sorts of things we can look at. If we go to DHCP leases, okay, this is going to be the Intel NUC that we're actually shooting the video on for this one. And if we want to do DHCP reservations, static mapping, or, oh, wake on land mapping. Okay, so this has got a lot of nice functionality to it. So advanced certification manager, general setup, so we can go back through here. And that's going to basically let us change what we had already set up going in so that's fine you've got good information there package manager we can go to interfaces assignments okay this is a little bit bigger screen so you can if you wanted to remap the porch you could i would say if it's working there's no reason to unless you had a port fail for some reason and then firewall rules traffic shaping we're going to get that in a later video that's got some serious potential for a smart home network. If you're not used to the term traffic shapers, you may hear it by another term, QoS or quality of service. This is what's gonna allow you to control how much bandwidth a particular device is allowed to have. So say you've got a 10 lane interstate highway and normally your device is only using one of those 10 lanes. Well, suddenly something happens, patch goes awry, whatever, and now it's using all 10 lanes and nobody else can get out. This is where you can control that. So it's a crude analogy, but I think you understand where I'm going with that one. And then services, there's all sorts of fun you can get into here. We've got NTP. So NTP is enabled by default. And there's all sorts of options here. I mean, this is a very uh, sophisticated system. Now, PPS, that's going to be if you're doing your own NTP server. And several years ago, I did a video where I went through the process of setting up a Raspberry Pi with a GPS receiver on it. So I got my own time sync directly from the satellites. Again, not something you have to do, but it is an option.
So there's UPnP. That's a whole other conversation we're going to get into about whether you want to do that and how to troubleshoot it. So as you can see, there's quite a bit that can be done here. Stun is something, if you don't know what it is, you probably don't need it. So you can, now this is a good thing, UPnP access control list. So you can limit it as to what devices are allowed to request UPnP, which is good. If you're going to do UPnP, that's good. But there's all sorts of items you can add on here, SNMP, Wake on LAN. Uh, this is actually probably one of the first practical limitations I've seen of Wake Online because you've got a device on the network that supports it and you've got it configured in here. You can actually use this to send the magic packet that will let your PF SenseBox wake up a device that's powered off. And we'll talk later in another video about doing DNS forwarder versus DNS resolver. And this is a very interesting system. I think it's going to be something that's going to serve a lot of us very well moving forward. So this gives you a sense of kind of what you're looking at, but make sure that you, if you ch when you change the password to write it down or not necessarily write it down, but put it in a password manager. That's, that's the better way to do it because sometimes I've set up a system and then didn't do it. And then I got a very rude awakening later on, but with just the, all the information you've got here and I'm still kind of making the process of adjusting from doing GUI versus uh, command line install. Cause I'm used to doing firewalls with command line and they I think they're now getting to a point to where that's not the case, but there's so much to get up and running here. And I think you're going to be very happy with what it is. But again, we've got it up and running. You saw it was pretty straightforward, really was not that much of a problem. It's just taking the processor. And if you really get things messed up, you just go in on the command line interface that we used earlier and you can go through reset it back to defaults and get it running that way for you so get used to this just if you're going to put it in ah found something here under upnp settings and this is very important log packets so that you if there's any question about who's doing upnp and what's going on that you can keep track of what things happen, at least have a record of what was going on. So this is going to be very handy. Again, we're going to be doing a, like a whole video on UPnP. I normally don't like to use it, but I've got some crypto mining gear that kind of insists on using it, or you got to start manipulating firewall rules. So this is going to be, uh, we can at least meet in the middle that I don't have to give everything UPnP access. Again, I've rambled on. This is going to be something I think you can be very happy with. It is very very versatile it's much more than than i was expecting be looking for other videos on this as we explore the different options and we'll figure out together what we need to look at if you're watching this on youtube you will see videos on the screen that are similar to the one you've just watched or other content that youtube thinks you might be interested in if this video helps you or provides value please click on the like button thumbs up if you haven't already subscribed to the channel please click on subscribe now and enable notifications We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the Tech Bites with Ron Nutter podcast. If you know someone who's interested in creating their own smart home, please share this show with them. Please subscribe on iTunes or Google Podcasts and leave us a review. Have questions? Contact Ron at questions at techbiteswithronnutter.com. He looks forward to sharing more incredible insights on the next episode.